Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. This past week, Jason had the honor of preaching in the morning, and our summer series had just ended at the end of August, and we have done this for the past several years. We pick a hymn, and we sing that hymn every Wednesday night, and then we invite different preachers in from all over the place, and we pull out different expressions or different lines from that hymn and have them preach that. It just makes a great, great series. Uh, we get that song sung over and over in our hearts. It kind of sticks with us. So this year, we have used the song Higher Ground, and we had nine different preachers come in and, and preach different aspects of it. It was a great series. But when we do that, we, we just kind of limit ourselves to July and August, and oftentimes there's more expressions and more phrases in that hymn than we can touch upon. And one of them that we really didn't assign to anybody was that little phrase, I want to live above the world. And so Jason took us through that this past Sunday morning, talked about that concept that God is above and I want to live above the world. And so, Jason, I'll just give it back to you and let you kind of walk through that sermon with us. It's a great sermon. It's on our uh, website and all the places that we have social media. And we really encourage you to listen to it because it really sets the tone and the attitude for a child of God today. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I mentioned in the sermon, I don't know how many times I have sung this great old hymn that Christians have sung for generations, but I don't know that I had ever really thought about the beginning of that third verse. I want to live above the world. And I mentioned we were several weeks in before that phrase really caught my attention. And I thought, well, that has been good for me to think about. Maybe it would be a good way of of just capstoning the entire series. And so I appreciated everybody letting me take us back to that hymn one more time above. As I started thinking, Thinking about that word, of course, that's that's where God is consistently spoken of as being not just above the earth, as the heavens are above the earth. We know that he is described like that on occasion, but above as far as preeminence or priority, he is above us. And there are old, new Testament, obviously modern examples of people who we have a tendency at times to think too highly of ourselves. And one of the great themes in the Bible is God is not afraid of putting us in our place when we think too highly of ourselves. And that is where we need his grace and his mercy. And of course, that is the great theme of the gospel. That's what we're caught up into as disciples. And so in the back half of the sermon, we just looked at some basics of what it's going to mean for us to live above the world. It doesn't mean that we're better than anyone. It most certainly doesn't mean that God gives us a license to look down on our fellow image bearers, it starts with humility. We humble ourselves beneath his mighty hand. And so we asked, do you want to live like the world or live above the world? If you're going to live above the world, 
You can't live as if you're the most important being in the universe. And then that moves us to who we're going to listen to. Do you want to live like the world and just listen to what the world has to say? Or do you want to listen to the wisdom that is from above? James chapter 3 talks to us a lot about that. Uh, We at times are going to be mistreated by those who are in the world, but Peter in 1 Peter 2 points us to Jesus as the example of how to endure with trust in God above and to treasure, to appreciate the gifts that come to all of us from above. He teaches us to live for the sake of his name, the name that is above every name, and ultimately to live as citizens of the kingdom that is above. And so with each one of those points, I tried to just bring us back to what do I really want? The hymn has led us all summer to sing, I want to live above the world, but fundamental to that declaration is, okay, I can't live like the rest of the world. That's what the sermon was all about. Yeah, and and I think that phrase, and, and you pointed that out at the very beginning, can really be looked at two ways. I think in one way, you know, when we sing that, we sometimes think of heaven. Right. And, and that's the desire of every Christian to be with God in heaven. That's above the world. But I like what you brought in because before heaven is here. Right. And that's where we are. And so it's a mentality and it's a behavior that's not driven by the culture we live in. We're living by Christ. And so we live according to the higher plane of Jesus Christ. And that, that, that is something I think, again, is so important to see. And so let's just look at some questions here that came to my mind. First of all, why would somebody even think that way? You know, I want to live above the world. And some would say, well, why? Yeah, well, one of the passages we ended with, 1 John chapter 2, 15, 16, and 17, maybe is the most succinct answer to that. This world is passing away. It is full of desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life. We know that God created this world good. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God looks at everything he created, and it's good. In fact, by the end, he says it's very good when he puts his image bearers in it. But ever since Genesis chapter 3, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, listen to that third designation that John gives us, um, thinking too highly of ourselves, has corrupted this world, right? It has brought all sorts of heartache and hurt and anxiety, all sorts of difficult things into this world. The great story of the Bible is we're in this world and life under the sun because of those things is difficult, but God is showing us a better way. That's that's to me the why above all. So so when John uses that phrase love not the world, right. I mean that there's a lot of definitions we could put in for world because we remember Jesus said God so loved the world. Right. And then we can think about the planet. That's the world we live in. Right. So John's use of that in that passage, first John two fifteen, love not the world, neither the things in it. 
Wh- how, what definition would you put to that? Yeah, I, I think that's what human beings have done to the world through, as we keep reading, that lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Really, it is a self centered view of the world. If we've got a God-centered view of the world, this planet is beautiful, and there is a lot of good in the world. It's, again, when we get too big for our britches, to borrow a phrase I heard a lot growing up, when we think too highly of ourselves, we don't unleash more goodness into the world. We act like adversaries of God. That's what James points us to in James 4 and verse 4, right? If I have mind and heart anchored to this world, what I'm actually doing is living as an adversary of God. Yeah, James 4, 4 says friendship with the world is enmity with God. So you you can't love the world and love God at the same time. It's not going to happen. Those are polar opposites. So what we mean by this is the culture we live in. Uh, we're talking about the definitions. Uh, God's definition of success is not the size of your house. It's not the brand of your car. It's not how much money is in your bank. That's how our world defines success. Uh, the idea of hope. Uh, as the world defines hope and as God defines hope, two different two different directions. Yeah. And so when we talk about living above the world, we're talking about having this mindset that is spiritual, a mindset that's based upon God. And that that is the key of all that. Now, Peter also brings up a passage. You didn't really bring this out much in your lesson, but I think it's a great uh, fit into this lesson here. Yeah. And that is in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. The New American Standard says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. So what does it mean to be an alien and a stranger? Yeah, I'm I'm reading out of the ESV. It translates it similarly, sojourners and exiles. So an exile is someone who is in a territory where they don't really belong, right? Home is somewhere else, which makes sense because the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul, emphasizes where is our citizenship it's in heaven. In Colossians, we went back and heard him at the beginning of Colossians chapter 3 saying, listen, if you've been raised to life from sin, if you have been forgiven of your sins, now you set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, right? And so sojourners and exiles or pilgrims and outcasts, however you want to describe that, sojourner means I'm here for a little while. This is not my permanent residence. And even while I am here, I don't really belong here. Why? Because I belong to a different king, a greater king. If you look just a few verses before what you quoted for us from 1 Peter 2, 11, verse 9 is where Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes Christians as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We are 
God's people, which means we are going to live for God even when it makes us different from the rest of the world. Okay, about an hour from where we are right here, and uh, it's, it's easy to find, is is big, big communities of Amish. Yes. Uh, I've spent a big part of my life studying the Amish theology and the Amish lifestyle and things like that. And so that's how they would, that's how they would refer to this Peter passage is that we are just going to deny the world so everyone drives cars, we're on a horse and buggy. Everyone uses electricity. We're using kerosene lamps. You have a cell phone. I don't have a phone. Yeah. And so, so in that way, they are, they are, that's their response to how we are strangers and aliens. And so, uh, just fit all that in there together for me. Yeah. Well, there is a lot to appreciate and admire and perhaps learn from a mindset that is really trying to make this practical. The one caution or the biggest caution, I guess I would say about this is Jesus in no uncertain terms makes it clear we need to be in the world, starting with the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew chapter five, we are to be a light shining on a hill that people might see our good works and come to give glory to our Father in heaven. We are to be the salt of the earth. We, I, I take that to mean we, we could very easily, okay, make our own secluded salt shaker and shield ourselves from everything in the world, but then it's going to be awfully difficult for us to be that salt influence in the world or the leavening influence in the world. Maybe the clearest statement of this comes from Jesus's prayer at the end of his time here on the earth, John chapter 17, and the the very shadow of the cross, he prays to God. John 17 verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And in the very next verse, he says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So there it is. Okay, in the world, but not of the world, or to borrow from our hymn, in the world, but living above the world. Absolutely. So so the world's standards, the what the world says is popular, what the world says, you've got to have this. What the world calls fashionable, that's not, that's not the definition of Christians. Christians follow what Jesus says. And that, that is the main difference in that. And so, so it's, it's not just, uh, giving up the modern technology. I believe the apostles used what they had in sure. their days. Whatever they had, they used to spread that gospel. So you can be in the world, but the world is not in you. That's, that's the key there. It's like a boat in the water, but you don't want water in that boat or you have trouble. And, and that will help us to see that. So let's talk about, as we think about some practical applications of this, what are some things that pulls us toward the world? Yeah. Well, our own fleshly desires, according to James in James chapter one, goes a long way with doing that, right? How did Eve get herself in trouble in Genesis chapter three? Her desires, what she saw and wanted, her own 
potential pride is what tugged on her. And James, in his own way, James chapter 1, John in 1 John 2, that we already referenced, as I understand it, that is how temptation works, right? And that is what is just absolutely immersed and enmeshed all over this world is a a powerful cultural pull that tells you, if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. If you feel like it, go ahead and plunge yourself in. You be your authentic self. That That's the atmosphere that many of our young people are growing in, right? And so this world has a powerful gravitational pool. Now, I would argue we're being sold a lie, right? That, okay, you are the one that matters most. You just go ahead and do what you want to do when in fact giving in to that gravitational pool, according to the New Testament, makes me a slave to sin. So to live in the world above uh, is not going to be popular. Yeah. And, you know, the world has the majority of the people. The world is what sets all the Hollywood and the movies and the music and all the standards. All that comes from the world. Right. And so for young college students, and they're listening to us, and they they maybe are in a dorm, and they see all these people around them, and the way they dress, the way they talk, what they're going to be doing on Friday nights, what, what advice would you give to that college student? Yeah, well, a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about the narrow door from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus tells us the truth, right? He, he does not paint a mirage that, well, uh, you know, the, the, the people who are living for the world aren't nearly as many as the people who are living for God. No, he... He doesn't sell us a false bill of goods in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, listen, the gate is wide and the way is easy. The problem is, even though many are entering by it, it is the way that leads to destruction. Remember, 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17, this world is passing away. Whereas the gate is narrow, the way is hard, there are fewer who are are passing through that door, but that way leads to life. And so if I had the opportunity to sit down with a cup of coffee and a, a college student, one of the things that I would really try and get them to think about is, where do these paths lead, right? You've got the freedom to go either one, and it's no mystery where the majority are going, but let's think carefully about where that path leads. Maybe some reading in the book of Proverbs would go a long way in helping along those lines. And, and I think that's a, that's a key right there. Just Just your daily habits is going to help you. Daily, you need to be in God's word because yeah. that's going to make the difference. You can't, you can't just kind of walk the fence or live in the world and then at the very end just exit off the, uh, you know, the exit ramp here and, and I'm going to be with the Lord. It's, it's a lifetime of what you got to do. And so, uh, sometimes you can get so deep into the world, it's really hard to get out. 
And so the choices you make when you're young really can help you or they can really hurt you. Yeah. Making, it, making a priority, spending time with people who love the Lord, even when you're away at college, being around those people who are passing through the narrow door is key. And so, so flip this over to the uh, college graduate. He's got his first job or second job and, and the corporate ladders before him. And he sees all these young people, you know, and, and they're all aggressive. They all want to climb that ladder and step on each other. And the higher you go, the better you're, you are, the bigger your income, the bigger your position. How can he survive with this, I want to live above the world mentality? Yeah. Well, some of the parables of Jesus would be huge for framing perspective, right? There are a lot of young professionals, young adults who are out on their own, and and it is all about building for myself, right? Building my own little kingdom, building my own little empire, and it sounds a whole lot like that famous parable of a man who got really wealthy with multiple barns. He had such good success that he had to tear down existing barns and build larger ones and he's he's just living for this when am I going to be able to sit back eat drink be merry relax look at all of the things I've built just one problem God calls him a fool and says this night I'm going to usher you out of this life and all of these things that you've been building you're going to leave them behind it's the conclusion of Jesus' sermon right there is an all too easy way to build your life on sand so yes you're surrounded by lots of peers who are not thinking like above the world sword of thinking, maybe spend some time, ask to lunch or dinner a businessman or a business owner, some someone that you look up to in this busy, fast-paced world that is, is successful by worldly standards, but more than anything, they're passionate about following Jesus. Maybe just asking them, How have you learned to balance that? How have you found the ability, the courage, the the spiritual backbone to seek first the kingdom of God? It's one of the blessings of having a church family. Not everyone has their mind set on things of the earth. And, And that very discipline right there will reveal just in conversations you get two people and they're both climbing the ladder and the corporate ladder. They're, they're getting promotions and they're excelling in their careers. You ask one guy, why are you doing this? Well, you know, I need a second house or I want to travel <laughs> overseas or, you know, it's all about me. It's what I can get. You ask the other one who's a disciple of Jesus who wants to live above the world in his estimation. I want to do these things so I can support a preacher myself, yeah. so I can help the kingdom. So when I see another struggling family, I can be in a position that I can help them. And and so what you're seeing is both of them may be climbing the ladder, but they're two different ladders going two different directions. And again, it's the mentality. It's a culture. And the culture we live in today is all about you. And you do all you can to make yourself happy. 
But the culture of the Bible is you do all you can to follow the holiness of God. And those really are some things that help us. So, you know, we talked about the things of the world that pull us toward the world. What would be some things that would help us separate ourselves from that culture? Yeah, well, I love that third verse of the hymn. Like you said, we had nine slots, nine powerful phrases that we focused on throughout the summer. Maybe the neglected verse of higher ground this summer was that third one where uh, Johnson Oatman Jr. wrote, I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled, for faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. So there are saints think Hebrews chapter 11, who have gone before us, who are in a very real sense, according to Hebrews 11, cheering us on, right? We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And I love how the higher ground hymn puts it. It's like I can almost hear them singing in glory by faith. I, I know there are people who have done this. And so what is pulling me away from the world is those good examples who've gone before me. It's the promises of Jesus. It's the, the promises of God throughout the rest of the New Testament. It's even how the last few pages of the last book in the Bible ends, right? It is, if I set my mind on things above, this is what I can expect. Are, are, are there questions I don't know the answer to? Sure. Are, are there things that are going to happen that I, I don't know how they're going to happen. Of course there are, but God has told me how the story ends. And so I want my mind set on the heartbeat of the one who ultimately wins? You know, I, I, it reminds me of a story I heard years ago. This this guy was was a professional f- fisherman, and at the end of the day, he's sitting in his boat, kind of watching the sunset. And a businessman c- came by and said, "It's still daylight. Why are you not fishing?" He said, "Well, why?" He said, "Well, you, then you catch more fish." And then he said, "Why?" He said, "Well, then then you could buy another boat." And they said, why? Well, then you could hire more people. Then why? Well, then you could have more fish. Then why? You could have more money. Then why? Then you can sit back and take it easy. And he looked around and says, I thought I was. I thought I was. <laughs> I thought I was. And so it's not just to the generation that's gone, but even to the, to the older generation uh, among the, the Christians we know. Uh, sit down and talk to some of them. And, and a lot of them will tell you that when they first started their careers, it was hustle. It was get ahead. But they really caught the spirit of Jesus, and they understood what really matters in life. And when you get to the point that you're retired and, you know, you you have what you want and you think, you know what, it's not about having all these things because you start realizing I'm going to leave all these things. And maybe they brought me a little bit of joy for a few moments, but, you know, I'm going to die and and someone else is going to have all this stuff. And so you start realizing what is really precious in life, and that's friendships, and that's relationships with the Lord. That's family. That's a fellowship. And you start realizing that's where I need to pour my efforts in. That's where my passion needs to be. And that helps us as you think about living the world, living above the world as God wants us to. Yeah, we ended on the note, you can't live above the world if you live as if this world is all there is. So. 
That's it. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to revisit that, and I hope our conversation has been helpful. Roger, this evening is a kind of new leaf that we're turning over, at least for the month. In the wake of our summer series, we've got one more month of Wednesday evenings in this summer quarter. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yeah, so what we do is we just have, there's four Wednesdays here in September, and uh, summer series is over. We're not quite ready for our next quarter of classes. So we just have a, a four-week little mini-series on questions. And these are questions that various members have submitted to us. And so we're just going to kind of walk through these questions one by one. And we may not get them all, but we'll try to get as many as we can. And and that's just a great way because sometimes these questions don't find your way in sermons or classes. And there are things on your heart. And there's just a great, great way of just let, let's just see what the Bible says about this topic. And we'll just spend some time doing those things. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we're going to be exploring in a four-part series what are angels? What can we know about angels? Pretty common question, not something we spend a whole lot of time talking about. So this is a perfect four-week stretch to dive into that particular question. Roger, what about this Sunday morning? Sunday morning, I'm going to start a series. It'll be a three or four-part series. I'm going to figure it out yet. But I'm going to just entitle it, Can I Know? We live in a lot of times where everyone has an opinion and it seems like all opinions are equal and all the same. So we're going to start this Sunday, Can I Know I Am Saved? I believe that's one of the greatest questions to ask. And we'll just kind of work through that together, and hopefully it'll be helpful for all of us. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you for Bible study tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. Mm -hmm.